I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to um, continue this, this message this morning on the new man, which is the church of Jesus Christ. And I wanted to come into chapter 4 to be able to speak to us in, in, a, in more detail of really what the church is about and what we are supposed to be doing in the church. The word church is the word in the Greek, ecclesia. And that word simply means, the intent of that word by the New Testament writers or by the Holy Spirit is to define what has been created in the earth through Jesus Christ. And I I just want you to understand this. What has been created in the earth through Jesus Christ. The Bible defines that word ecclesia as the calling out. And that is concretely, it means a popular meeting, a popular meeting, especially in regards to a religious congregation. That's what ecclesia means. Um, I remember a dear friend coming in one of our prayer nights for our Encourage Conference. We had a couple of weeks of prayer and fasting before, and dear precious lady, um, elderly lady just came in one, late one night, comes into the prayer meeting. She's like, where's the ecclesia? You know, and, um, and she got here early. She was ready to pray. And thank God we, we had some of the ecclesia gather to pray, but that's what it is. That's what it's really all about. The Thayer's definition says it is a gathering of citizens that are called out from their homes into some public place to assemble. An assembly of Christians gathered for worship in a religious meeting. A company of Christians who observe their own religious rites, hold their own religious meetings, and manage their own affairs. That's the definition of church. That is, that is the intent of God, is that I want to bring you together so that you can function together. Now, what I have come to witness in, in my life as, as I travel and, and look around, and it is that there are very few Christians, and not to mention ministers, who are very ignorant of what the church of Jesus Christ actually is. There, there might be those of you here this morning, you think this is church. You got up, you got here for nine o'clock, sang a couple of songs, sit in your seat, listen to a preacher, and you did church. And that's what church is, that's what the devil wants church to be. We come into church, we have our religious way, we have our traditional way, we don't come the Bible way. We don't do what the Bible says. I, I, would, I would probably say that maybe many of us came to church today. We did not do what the Bible says. We did not obey the scriptures. But we love to point out when others don't obey the scriptures. We love to point out when people who teach false doctrines teach false doctrines. But we don't see in ourselves that oftentimes we do not obey the word of God. We do not come before God, the way God says to come. And then we wonder, because this is not church, but the church is that body of people that have been born again in whom the Holy Spirit inhabits, and He creates out of every individual, He puts them together to make a new man. 
And every individual is a part of that greater body in order for that greater body to be the demonstration of Jesus in the earth. And so if there is not a supernatural expression of the Holy Spirit through us, then the church is falling short of what God wanted it to be in that moment, even in that gathering. And we're going to see that today. We're going to also go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times in our churches, even across America, as we watch America being lost to a woke culture and being lost to so many diverse types of things, we wonder why. But in the way that, that America does church today, even in our Pentecostal circles, we do church so unbiblically that you, you cannot operate in the gifts of the Spirit because we are so dominated by our flesh. We're so dominated by what other people think about us or how we're going to appear to someone else that the gifts of the Spirit cannot operate through us because of our religious customs. They've shut down Pentecostal churches. This is, this is practically true in anywhere you would want to go visit in a, in a church in America today. It's something that I greatly fight in our church it is a battle that has to be fought with, with patience and with teaching and, and with prayer and with fasting that God, let our people get it. Let us understand what you want to do. Why is Baton Rouge one of the leading cities in America for crime and human trafficking and gangs and murder? Why is that? Where is the power of the church, the supernatural influence of the Holy Spirit? But we're content to do this. This, this. We're content. This is how we grew up. This is how mama grew up. This is how grandmama grew up. This is how we do it. This is what we know. This is comfortable. This is, I can just, you know, be there and, and then I can leave and, and this is it for me. But that's not it for God. That's not it. And in Ephesians chapter 4, as we're going to study... I want you to be able to see this. Now, in Acts chapter 2, it says they gathered every day. The ecclesia was led by the Holy Spirit to meet every day. And they got together every day, and they did things like this. They broke bread from house to house. They ate their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. They gathered in the apostles' doctrine. They had fellowship together. They prayed together. These were things that they did every day. They praised God publicly in the streets and the cities of Jerusalem so that the people in the cities were being added to the church every single day. People were getting saved because the church was so manifest in the city of Jerusalem. They did this. Not them, not those, not him, not her. They did this. It was the body led by the Holy Spirit. And I believe it was Alec Rowland that I agree with so much when he said that the Holy Spirit was not born a baby. Maybe Stephen McKay said that. The Holy Spirit was not born, Im or the church was not born immature. It was born mature. It was born gathering. It was born led by the Spirit of God. The church did not hide. It did not cease to be the church, even when governments were, were threatening it. From gathering. 
They continued to do it. They continued to be the church of Jesus Christ. So in Ephesians 1 through 3, which we have been studying for weeks, we have discovered, like even in in Ephesians chapter 3, that if God's wisdom, if the manifold wisdom of God is to be demonstrated in the earth, it cannot happen without the church. This relationship of God the Holy Ghost with the body of Christ that has been created by the resurrection of Jesus. Without that relationship, the glory, the wisdom of God cannot be demonstrated and principalities and powers of hell cannot be dealt with by the church. It has to be that relationship with God the Holy Ghost, and His church. This is found in Ephesians 3. We read that, verses 10 through 11, or a couple of them. And then he comes into chapter, into verse 20 of chapter 3, and he says that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. And so if the power of the Holy Spirit can work in us, And the preceding verses tell us how that has to happen. You have to be strengthened with might by the Spirit in the inner man. That has to happen. That's not automatic because we're Christians. We have to believe for that. and We have to receive that work of the Holy Spirit. But when that happens, our our spiritual capacity enlarges. And now God can go beyond what we can even ask him because there's a power working in us. And oftentimes when we hear verse 20 quoted, we we tend to maybe leave that out or not emphasize that. That we just like to say, well, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can think or ask. Of course he can. And of course he wants to. But what hinders him from doing that? It is the lack of power that works through us or in us because we stay spiritually small. We, we stay spiritually weak. God wants us to be strong. God wants us to be mature. God wants us to be mighty in the Holy Ghost. And what will God have to do to get his church to that? And I thank God, whatever it is, it'll be through his grace. Now, in chapter 4... This is where we pick up because now Paul is like, I really want the body of Christ to function like chapter 3 talks about. And so if the body of Christ, that's you and me, if the body of Christ is to function with this great power of the Holy Spirit working in us, chapter 4 has to happen. And so this is what chapter 4 says. He talks about how we are in one faith. He talks about we are in one body. And he says we're to work, walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. What are you called? Well, you're called to verses 9 through 11 in chapter 3. That's what you're called. And you and I who are born again, we're supposed to walk worthy of that. And so this is it. We have to have a lowliness, which is a humility. We have to be gentle. We have to be long-suffering. We have to hold up. We have to endeavor to love one another. We have to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit because all of that is under attack by the enemy because the enemy knows if, hey, if First New Testament church 
starts fulfilling chapter 3, I'm done in Baton Rouge. I mean, I'm going to be exposed and people are going to begin to have freedom in Jesus Christ. So I have to keep First New Testament from fulfilling chapter 3. And the way that I'm going to do that is division, getting people distracted, let people not understand what the church is and think it's just attending a service on a weekend or whatever it might be. Get them to think that. Let there be divisions and, and strife and, and things that exist between them so that they don't maintain their love for one another. They're not patient with each other. And that's what the devil strives to do. And so there's one body. There's one spirit. You're called in one hope of your calling. And that's not mysterious. That's back in Ephesians chapter 1. He says in chapter 1 of Ephesians verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you might know what is the hope of his calling. That's chapter 1. He, he comes back to that in chapter 4. He says there's one hope of your calling. And what is that? Let the church be strong by you being mighty in the Holy Ghost. Let the church be strong. That, that's our calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's one God and Father of all who's above all, through all, in you all. And to every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Every one of us. And so he ascended up on high and he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Now that he ascended, what is it? But that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. And he that descended, and it doesn't say he went to hell. Like some false teachings say. Jesus didn't go to hell when he died. He went to paradise. And he went to that place where he would take those who were waiting for the Messiah. And once he provided his atonement, he brought them with him to heaven. That's what it means, leading captivity captive. He didn't go to hell and get kicked around by the devil and all of that for the next three days. He did it all on the cross and won it on the cross and defeated it on the cross. And so it says that he, he ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some. This, these are the gifts that he gives to the church. This, this is why if you think you can do your church just by yourself at home, you're going to be abnormal in your spiritual life. You're going to be stunted in your growth. You're not going to have complete maturity in your life. You're not going to be able to fulfill the hope of his calling. You, you have to have the body of Christ to be able to do that because God gives to his body these gifts. Apostles. Prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And if you notice, there is this word before each one of those, those offices, some. Because not everybody is an apostle. Not everybody's a prophet. Not everybody's a pastor. Not everybody's an evangelist. And not everybody's a teacher. Now, anybody can teach and anybody can preach. But not everybody holds that office. It is the office that is there. So if we think I can just do a church at home because the church is full of hypocrites or whatever it might be, or it's not convenient for me to get out, it's not convenient for me to really be intimate with the body of Christ, and so I can just do all of this at home. Well, you don't have an apostle sitting in your living room or a prophet or an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher, and you're not necessarily one. 
And I'm certainly not necessarily all of them. I want them in my life. I need these gifts that Jesus gives to the body. Why? Why? What is the purpose of these gifts? And he tells us, he says this in verse 12, that these gifts, these offices functioning within the body are for the perfecting of the saints. It's for your maturity. It's for the work of the ministry. It is for the edifying of the body of Christ. So right there are three specific things that these offices are to provide to the church. And they are to perfect us. That that means bring us to maturity, which is fulfilling chapter 3, so that the power of God can work in us. It is to do the work of the ministry. It is the offices that the gifts that are operating in the church that are helping you as the people of God Fulfill the purposes of God in the earth. And then the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Not just till we all get saved and born again. And now we know that when I die, I'm going to heaven. So, hey, I'm good. I I walked the aisle when I was eight, and I'm good. I was baptized. I'm good. No, that's not the goal of God or the purpose of God for the believer on earth. The purpose of God in the believer on earth is that we will be perfected, that we will come to the unity of faith, that we will have the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, that we would have the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God wants more for us. And that happens through the fellowship of the church, through that intimacy of the body. Another one is this in verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro And carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. And the whole body is fitly joined together. Who did that? Who fitly joined the whole body together? The Holy Spirit. And how did he do it? How it makes him happy. Not me. Not you. It's what pleases him. And so he fitly joins the church together. He's compacted it. Every joint supplies every joint. This is the effectual working of every measure and every part. And it increases of the body to the edifying of itself in love. And so this is the fellowship of the church of Jesus Christ. It's everybody by the power, the supernatural activity of the Holy Spirit in our life. It is everybody being an instrument of ministry to everyone else so that the body of Christ is built up. Ministry is effective. We're all growing in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. We're all growing in our spiritual capacities to the fullness of Christ. And the more we grow and the stronger we get, the more God's power can work in us and God can begin to do things in our world we can't even think about. They're so far beyond it. We can't even think about it. And furthermore, God's going to protect us from error. 
He's going to protect us from winds of doctrine. He's going to protect us from these, these things that are going to come into the world that like hide behind bushes. They, they, they lie in wait to deceive you. The body of Christ protects you from that. How? We speak the truth to one another in love. That's what we do. And so this is important for you to understand. If if we think we can navigate this life, especially us on whom the ends of the world have come, if we think we can navigate this life so well on our own or by ourselves, especially in the last days when we're warned about increasing deception and problems that are in the world, then we have made ourselves vulnerable to a deformed Christianity a stunted growth, if you will, and possible deception ourselves. And so it is the body of Christ because you by yourself, you may be an eye, but you're not an ear too. You may be an ear, but you're not also a mouth. You may be a mouth, but that you're not a foot. And so if you're an eye, Wonderful. You can see things the other part of the body can't see. But if you're not an ear, you can't hear what some part of the body hears. And so you need both. You need the seeing, you need the hearing, you need the hands, you need the feet. You need the whole body to help you live and navigate this life. Because all of that is not you. And I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And in this particular passage, Paul beautifully talks about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ. And he says this in in verse, as we pick up into this, I want to just see verse 16 and 17. It says, you know, actually verse 15, if the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? This 1 Corinthians 12 17. If the whole body were an eye, where's the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where's the smelling? But now has God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it's pleased him. He compacted that body together. He put it together as it pleases him. And so, if they were all one member, then where's the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And so, not everybody's an eye. Not everybody's an ear, not everybody's a mouth, not everybody's a hand, not everybody's a foot. Do you understand that what is being pictured here by the Holy Spirit is this new man that has been produced through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, called the church, living in the earth, that is supposed to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and every member contributing to that growth and edification of the body, so that all of the gifts of the Spirit can work through all of the people. And it can be extremely dynamic for the glory of God and destructive for the things that Satan is trying to do in people's lives. He says in verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles and gifts of healing and helps and governments and diversities of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But covet earnestly the best gifts and yet show out unto you a more excellent way. And he's just stating here the fact that we are all supposed to participate 
Because there's not one of us that's doing everything. We all have an opportunity to participate. In verse 21 of chapter 12, he says this. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. And verse 15, it says, the foot cannot say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body. That just simply means if you're born again, the Holy Spirit took you at that moment of your birth and he put you into the body of Christ. And he put you there so that you can grow strong and healthy. You can be involved in ministry. You can serve God. The power of God can work in your life and he can pray through you and go beyond what you're even able to ask God And God, the Holy Ghost, immediately, because he knows us, and he knows our attitudes, and he immediately deals with two things. He deals with this one thing. You cannot assume that you're so insignificant that the church doesn't need you. You cannot say, because I'm a foot and not a hand, the body doesn't need me. Holy Spirit saying, I will not allow you to say that. I put you there where I want you to be. I need you there. I need you in your place. I need you functioning in your place. And I'm also going to cut at the attitude of superiority. Where some people might be able to have more of a, of a, of a, of a presence in my church than other people. And they'll begin to think that there's more special or they're more holy are they more worthy? So I'm going to cut at that too. And I'm going to say, and I forget what exact memory says that, but he's, he says, like, like, you can't say because you're the ear that, or you're the hand that you're better than the foot. And you say, well, I'm the hand. I don't need the foot. I mean, who would say that? You want your hands and your feet, right? But this attitude that, that God knows is going to rise up in Christianity is going to do that. Satan's going to try to produce that pride that divides the body of Christ. And, and, and it, is so, it is so sad because it's what begins to affect what Jesus wanted to produce in the earth, which is his glory. As a church member, I'm not talking about a member of FNT. I'm talking about a member of the body of Christ. Now, your membership at FNT is where you serve... And gives you the ability to be able to demonstrate that. Because there's not too many churches in town. If you just showed up today are going to let you do anything. But you have relationship here. And because you have relationship here. And people know you and we know you and we know those who labor among you. Then you're able to do ministry now because you're in relationship here. But if you just show up in some church that doesn't know you, they're not going to put you with the kids, I wouldn't think. And if they would, that's not a place you really need to go much to. We need to gather more and more in the end to encourage the body of Christ. This is the supernatural importation of the Holy Spirit. Spirit-filled believers who abandon the church in chaotic times. Think about what could have been given to the body through your gift of prophecy. What faith, what strength, what miracles could have occurred had we continued in that fellowship of the body of Christ. What words were lost because we were not here and we watched online. As I've said so many times, yes, you can watch church online, but that's not church. One fact of the matter is, if you're sitting in your living room watching church online, or you say, well, you know what, I don't want to go to the prayer meetings at night, 
but I'm just going to watch the prayer meeting online. Wonderful. But if the Holy Spirit inspires you with a, with a word of knowledge, we don't get it. And, and that could have been the absolute miracle that somebody needed in their life. The body of Christ has got to participate. We could have known directions that God would have wanted us to operate in. We could have had power, supernatural ability that maybe we, would, we, we were not afforded because maybe a foot was missing or a hand was missing or an ear was missing. Maybe an eye was missing and we weren't able to see as clearly. The church of Jesus Christ is established with Jesus as the head. That's it. Jesus as the head. That just simply means that Jesus has the rightful preeminence with everything that goes on in his church. Everything is to be done by him, through him, and for him. I'm talking about born-again people. That should make your heart joyful. That It's all for him. He's the head. And because he's the head, the body works. You're the example of that today. You're not in a straitjacket. You're not locked up in some psych ward. Because you've got other parts of your body rebelling against your head. Your head dictates your behavior. It commands the rest of your body. And because your head is functioning... It is governing your entire body, your posture, the way you sit, the way you come, the way you hold yourself, your ability to walk, your ability to listen, your ability to talk, all governed by your head. Your body, your members are not in a revolt against your head. We would call those individuals, um, they, they would have a mental illness and they would need help. Because their body's not functioning properly. I do not believe the church of Jesus Christ has a mental illness. I believe that Jesus Christ knows how to control his head. And his body. And therefore we're brought under his control. Now not everybody's born again. Not everybody that attends church is saved. Not everybody that is in church is led or filled with the Holy Spirit. God has to direct that. If people are truly God's and truly belong to God, then the head, Jesus Christ, is going to lead them. If we're just faithful to the religion of Christianity, we will do what we want, when we want, and how we want. Because all of this is for me and to me. But when he's the head, it's by him, through him, and for him. And, 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 and when we get out of line... He corrects that. He's a good father. And he corrects that. And so this is the head. This church is established upon a new covenant. And that new covenant is not on a system of works. But it is on the basis of faith and belief in God. And we enter into this relationship with God. Holy and righteous and justified and glorified. We are his children. And therefore, we have great respect for one another because we are his children. And we appreciate the work of God that is going on in every life. And though there are 
times in our life as church people that there will be those who offend us or rub us wrong or maybe they're not understanding the truth as we know it. We are able in love to be able to have biblical help with one another. Because the head causes us to operate that way. And it functions in the new covenant. The church is founded upon the resurrection of Jesus. If there were no resurrection of Jesus Christ, then there's no church in the earth. It is a direct result of his resurrection. And we are his bride. We are his body. We are that which has his affection. Every member of his church has that affection from him. Greatly, greatly loved. I'm going to close with this. And I I pray that you will understand this. Those of you that have gone through our church membership, um, you've certainly been aware of this. And so I just wanted to bring it out to you because talking about the church and we, I believe for myself that God gave me this um, understanding and I wanted to lay it out for the members of our church and when we come to church. So I want to share this with you about the church and what the church is and how the church is supposed to function. And I broke it up into two things, um, the work in the church and the work of the church. Now, according to Ephesians chapter four, the work in the church, which we should all be aware of and gladly giving ourselves to the work in the church is to live a life that edifies you. It's to live a life that builds you up. It's to live a life to serve one another, to speak words of grace, to take those that are struggling and those that have fallen or those that are in repentance and give them hope through the blood of Jesus Christ and not crush them or crush their spirits. I believe that is the work in the church. We're trying to edify one another. In Ephesians chapter 4, you never once heard the word rebuke one another. We're to edify one another. We're to build each other up. Because none of us are perfect. I don't look out here and see Jesus out there. We're all growing and we're all maturing and we're all coming to full stature. And we need to be patient with each other. But the church also, the work in the church, the church also is not the mission field. I believe when we gather together, we're not on the street corners of Baton Rouge. You shouldn't get the same message every week. You shouldn't just have to come here over and over and over again and just be taught about the elementary things of our faith, about baptisms and and believing on Jesus and getting saved. All of that should be proclaimed all the time. But the meat of the message should be, what's going to help the believer grow? What's going to help the believer become more mature? What's going to equip the believer and strengthen the believer so that they're strong in Christ, they're rooted in Christ, they're, they're able to do the work of the ministry? And so when we come together, that's what I'm looking at. I'm, I'm looking, if I was preaching on the street corners, then my message almost every time is going to be repent and believe on Jesus. But when I come to church, why am I going to let that be the meat of the message to the people that have already repented and believed on Jesus? Rather, I'd, I'd like to give us the whole counsel of God and let us grow up into the Lord and be mature. 
Be strong, be valiant. And so we come together to edify one another. The, the, the church should not become the battleground. It should not be a place of war because we, we've, we've changed the, the gathering to be a gathering where we're trying to just simply attract lost people so we have the opportunity to preach the gospel to them. Now, I love it when lost people come. I, I'm grateful that they do come. But I'm not looking at our gathering as the mission field. And I'm not looking at our gathering as the battlefield. I'm looking at our gathering as a place where Christians who love one another and love God want to come together because we love each other. We love God. We want to be with God. We want to be in his presence. We want to enjoy the outpouring of his spirit. We want to speak to one another. We want to see for one another. We want to hear for one another. I don't want to look for a seat. I want to look for a need. I want to pray for God's presence to be among us. That's the work in the church. The work of the church is what we do when we go out there. First John chapter 4 says, as he is, so are we in this world. And so we as the church are to leave these gatherings and maybe we go by twos. Maybe we go by fours or fives or tens or whatever it might be. Sometimes we're going all by ourselves, But when I'm going by myself, I am part of the church of Jesus Christ. And so I want to go into the world, and wherever I see a need, I want to be able to believe that God, the Holy Ghost, lives in me. Therefore, Jesus is able to meet this need through my life. Meaning, and I believe Jesus' intention is that the works that I've done, greater works will you do. Jesus, in other words, saying... I never intended for any of these things that I was doing to ever stop. I wanted it to be more. Because I was going to give every one of you the same spirit that my father gave me. And I am anointing you with the Holy Spirit so that what began in me will continue through you. And you'll deliver people from devils. And you'll heal people in their sicknesses. And you will deliver people from their bondages. And those that have been broken through abuse and battered and manipulated. God, the Holy Ghost who lives in you, will bring ministry and healing into their life. So that Jesus, if you will, could continue to walk the streets of Baton Rouge. New Orleans, Lafayette, Denham Springs, Louisiana, Arkansas, Texas. That's why Jesus said, it's so necessary that I go away. Because had Jesus not done that, then Jesus would have been locally centralized in the Middle East, in Jerusalem, and we would have to be taking pilgrimages to him. But he said, it's so necessary that I go away, because if I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Ghost to you who's just like me. And he's going to be in you, and he's going to fill you so that the works that I've done, greater works will you do. People will still be able to benefit from my life because it will be planted inside of you. And that's the, that's the work of the church. Everywhere we go, 
We have the opportunity to express Jesus Christ through love, forgiveness, service, kindness, ministry, power, gifts, helping those who have been abused by the devil to find freedom. But if, if here, here's the deal. I mean, just look at yourself. Watch yourself. And I, I'm, I'm putting myself in that. Let's watch ourselves. If we cannot practice the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the freedom of the Holy Spirit, the liberty of the Holy Spirit, if we cannot practice that joyful expression of our love for God in a room like this, I would certainly wonder if we're doing that in a world that hates him. And church in America, as I come back to the end, as I started in the beginning, church in America, and in a lot of pastors, has got this all wrong. They don't understand the church. They don't understand the hope of his calling. They don't understand this incredible power that's to work through our life. The entrance into his presence, how we approach God, how we love one another. Sometimes I would to God, we could just take all the chairs out of the church. Nobody would come. People wouldn't come. We have to provide the comfort. And, I, and it's just the sense that we like to go to our place of comfortability. But we should gravitate to the Holy Spirit working through us. So I'm just going to take a few minutes. Ethan is going to help me t- today. And, we're, and, and I want you to really... Would you please just take a moment, even if you open up Ephesians chapter 4 or 1 Corinthians chapter 12, would you just look at that and, and you and God just look at your life, look at your family, look at your heart and, and say, is, is this what I'm pursuing? Is, is this the life that I'm pursuing? Is this power of God working in me? And I I actually see God doing things that I I was never even able to ask for that. But he went beyond what I asked for. And I'm watching God do these things in my life. Am I I free in the church? Am Am I free among people that love God? How can I expect to be a witness for Jesus among those that hate God? If I cannot express my love for God among those that love God. Ask yourself these questions. Search the scriptures. Study yourself. But give God this moment. Because the Lord comes to us with kindness and with gentleness to grow us, to strengthen us. Because none of us, not one of us has arrived. It's good to fall before the Lord. It's good to lay at his feet. Search me, O oh God. I love you and I want to be pleasing to you. I want my life to be pleasing to you. I want, I want my life to be of such benefit to your beautiful church, your people. What you died to have and you let me be a part of. Oh, I want to, I want to benefit you so much, Jesus.